To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Welcome back to the Backyard Gardens podcast, everybody. I am here with my friend who would be my companion, Miss Batavia. If she was my foe, I wouldn't be anywhere around her. But since we're companions, we can be close together, right? <laughs> That's your good? garden companion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about companion planning today. I, I can't come up with anything cheesier than that. So You're blushing, too. That makes me happy. I'm blushing? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're garden companions. Blush. We are. I'm surprised you can tell by all the hair on my face. Every now and again, one of us does chuck, choke the other out, though. So there is yeah. that. Every yeah. now and again. <laughs> you have yet to make me cry, so there is that. Don't worry. I do enough of it for the both of us. You damn sure enough do. It's been a, we've had a stretch, though. We've had a stretch. <laughs> I'm just so dehydrated. I, that's why. I'm crying on the inside. <laughs> so what you do is you stop drinking the day before we record, so you're uh-huh. dehydrated? Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. That is... Um, <laughs> That is dedication to the cause, mm-hmm. to say the least. No, we're going to definitely talk about companion planning today. Um, it's, it says, I don't know, is it a polarizing subject, you think, or is it just in my head it's polarizing? I think it's just in your head. Well, do you practice it? N- n- no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> that doesn't make it polarizing, though. Yeah. No, I mean, chances are that you may be companion planning and not even realize it too so there is that but um i definitely want to go over a little bit of this and um before we get started though i do want to say there's a couple ways to support the show you can become a patron a patron or you can be an apple subscriber be a great way to do it there's also a list below for amazon store all the products that we know use and test and also you can buy t-shirts and stuff like that from us all the links are below so check all that out and um, help support the show so we can keep helping you guys in your gardens. But I, I, you know, I'm trying to think back. It's been a long time. I'm trying to think back to the beginning of my garden days. And I know that there was not much of a companion, like companion planning wasn't in my vocabulary. Mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. think I started to learn about it where I had read like, this plant will do good with this plant, blah, blah, blah. But the, the term companion planting wasn't there. And I mm-hmm. think what we're going to end up focusing a lot on, which I think is most important, is what does not go together. Because that mm-hmm. was something that really rung out in my head, too. Yeah, I um, I think the first time that I ever practiced something that was close to companion planting unknowingly would be like, oh, add marigolds. You know, that's like a whole thing, right? You yeah. know, you know, add some marigolds to that, you know. And I actually, I know that some people, now marigolds are probably polarizing. Some people really enjoy and and love marigolds. Others, like, you know, you can find them on the side of the highway. That, that's mm-hmm. how they feel about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think they're pretty cool and pretty. And, pretty. Um, and I don't know, it took me some years to realize there was like even more than one variety of marigolds because in the stores, it's kind of like two, (laughs) like a yellow flower and an orange flower. Um, But I mean, I think 
polarizing no does it add a level of complexity absolutely it does absolutely and to be honest marigolds was the first one that i'd heard about mm-hmm. that was the absolute but first one the note is what i heard at marigolds to your guard it did still didn't compute as companion planting to your point that that term wasn't in my vocabulary yeah you know and then when I came across the term, you know, you heard it, you started reading about it. Um, you know, I mean, I think marigolds are on the list, but it doesn't, it's not like it's the all-star, you know, which is the kind of the funny thing. Like that's the first thing that people mention to you. But when it comes to air quote, the experts, it's not like a dominating uh, plant from a companion planting perspective. Yeah. I think, um, you know, for me it was, and it's been a long time, but I think it was like, if you plant marigolds, it'll help your tomatoes. Mm-hmm, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's really all I knew. And so um, I did that and it worked out, I guess, fine. You know, I got tomatoes or whatever, but um, <laughs> I read a study about it a cu- last year or the year before, maybe. And they actually studied this mm-hmm. and they said that the, you know, they did multiple setups. I feel like I have to justify the study for some reason. I don't know why, but they did multiple setups, one garden, with a little bit uh, or no marigolds, one garden and, you know, distances apart with some marigolds and then one garden with like a field of marigolds next to it. Mm-hmm. And the one, the first two, which had a few marigolds and no marigolds were about even. And they said, really, in order to get the benefit, you have to have almost a full field of marigolds close by to really get that benefit that you're looking for. And that was a real big eye opener for me. And I think that's where it became polarizing because I kind of felt like there wasn't, you know, there's a little bit of misconception about Mm -hmm. this process Mm -hmm. a little bit Mm -hmm. and how much of it is actual science and how much of it is just us doing something to make us feel better about doing it. And that was, that's really Mm -hmm. been my question because I think, and I mean, this trickles down into a lot of gardening. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just kind of where I I land on it and I could be totally wrong. I love marigolds. I think they're cool. They're easy to grow. They're low growing, this, that, and the other. So I have no problems with marigolds at all. And I regret not putting them in my garden every past year like I usually do. I concur from the young man in North Carolina. All of what you just said. Yeah. Wow. Starting starting with starting with the uh, question mark around how many do you really need to plant to get the benefit from it? Yeah. And I think that we often and how it applies to other parts of gardening, we often take something that we've read about that maybe our parents and our parents, parents practiced and it gets watered down a bit, you know, and so you look and and. You know, you may be practicing this method, whatever that is. Um, I think based on that, you feel like you're contributing. You feel like you're doing the right thing. But is there really the effect you're looking for? Like you're like, oh, you know, I planted them and I got tomatoes. You and I both know you would have got tomatoes if you hadn't planted them. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, how bad would it really be in the if you did? You know, I mean, it's just kind of like, I don't know. It's like. Neither one of our gardens are really big. And to be completely honest, I don't think we really care enough to go and do our own little comparison year over year over year. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because the question becomes then also is what's left behind 
from the marigolds the next year to benefit the soil as well. So there is mm-hmm. a lot of moving parts to this. And I mean, yeah. I think so you got to go ahead. No, no. And as I say, I think you've got to really go into why we companion plant or we're told we should companion plant. And there's a, a bunch of reasons, but um, did you have something to say before I go into this? I don't want to cut you off or anything. No, no, no. I thought you were um, you were finishing your thoughts. So apologies for um, interrupting. So it's for me and it's complex. I think that um, to your point, when you open the episode, I'm most concerned with things that will harm each other. And generally, I want to do what's best for my garden. I want my plants to thrive. I want my you know plant neighbors to like each other. Uh, but there's so much time I feel like I would need to spend really digging down into, you know, kale and nasturtiums. And so I am opting to not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm opting to focus on, you know, things that can harm each other until I have the bandwidth, to be quite frank, to really dig in. Now, it doesn't mean that I don't, you know, Google do these two things like to grow together you know I, I grew corn and potatoes because i read and what i deemed a reputable source that they benefit from each other now can you can i answer how in this moment no i don't remember yeah you know but when i looked it up i said okay fine i'll follow this planting path um so that's you know i i applaud those that really dig into the details around that and understand and then take action that ain't me, Cap. Yeah, and I mean, I think the way I do it is I'll do kind of like you said, is I'll figure out, I'll read something that these are companions or whatever, and I'll plant it. And if it works, then I'll kind of start to dig in the next year and see why it worked, you know, what I should do different, this, that, and the other, what the benefits were. But I mean, just to kind of give an overview of what the, the benefits of companion planting are, there's you know, soil health benefits. So you can have different root systems in your garden that do different things. So tap roots will do soil compaction and then you'll have shallow roots that won't. And if you plant them together, one will, you know, if you plant all shallow rooted crops in a garden, then they'll all be using the surface water. But if you put the tap root ones in like carrots and stuff, they'll be getting the water out from deep. There's um, saving spaces insect managements, all these different things, and even fungal diseases to combating fungal diseases and trying to eliminate the pressure and letting them get established inside of your garden. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those are basically every issue that we deal with in our garden. <laughs> 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 and it sounds on the surface, it sounds great. And it sounds like, oh, why yeah, wouldn't you yeah. do it? But I think the biggest problem is the level of complexity, which we're going to get into a little bit. And um, it can get very complicated, very fast, especially if you kind of subscribe to the backyard gardens mantra of having a diverse garden, then, you know, it, it gets, it puts a level of complexity there that I think a lot of people may not be ready for. And I don't think that you have to be ready for it though. I think that's yeah. the important part too. Just because you have a garden doesn't mean you have to subscribe to it and go all in. Yeah, it's um I think generally, you know, if there's a subtitle, it's do no harm. Yeah. Right? You know, so you may not be gaining the most benefit, 
you know, with what you're planting and how you're pairing things. But the question becomes, are you doing harm? And I'm all, I'm not saying I'm chasing after it, but if I find that I've done some harm in a particular growing season, you know, I could live with that, you know, kind of it's as a lessons learned. What I don't want to do is harm my soil, you know? So I think that's probably where I kind of draw a line of sorts, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm going to go, we're going to go through and we're going to give you some combinations of some companions. And we're also going to give you some combinations of foes. Um, and I think you'll see why I feel, and I think Batavia may be on board with me. I don't want to speak for, because you know, you know how it is if you've been listening to the show, but, um, she may (laughs) feel that knowing the foes is a lot more beneficial in the long run. And, to be just to start off completely with everything, I want to say this. If you're planning something next to each other and it's not a companion or a foe, then it doesn't matter. You can plant mm-hmm. next. You know, it doesn't have to be a companion. You don't have to do it. So before we even get into this, and I, I, we use this tool. They're a supporter of the show. It's the planter app. And we did it on the last show and we're going to do it again. We're, we're going to use the same test garden and I'm going to share the screen with Batavia. I built it already and I just kind of put basic crops in it for the, um, for fall. And it'll show you this. This is why we love this app so much because it's a tool and it shows you your companions. It shows you your foes and it's easily labeled and it gives you red dots and green dots. And it's got all the varieties in it, but you can also play with it and drag around because it's very visual. So instead of looking at a bunch of words and letters all jumbled together, we can visually look at the vegetables and swap them back and forth and around and get the combinations that we want and the space and then you can even go through and click on the vegetable and it'll give you an actual description of everything and it'll even go further and give you a description of everything that it's companioned with and everything that it's fed within the detailed outline of each plant variety that you have so if you want to get this app which i highly recommend you do Definitely check out the link below and get a discount on it. Um, we're using it on the PC right now, but you can use it on your tablet or your phone. And it's the Planter app. You get it at the Google or Apple store. And um, it's an, I've, I've found it an invaluable tool. And again, we'll post this test garden right here. Um, whatever version we land with, we'll post it on the Facebook group and Patreon. And I'm sorry, Apple subscribers. I just I can't. There's no way for us to do it. If there was, I would do it. But um, that way you guys can look at it. And if you have the planner app and you share what your design is, we'll definitely share it. So it'd be cool to see what you guys are planning with it too. But um, it's a very useful tool for this. And this is a big, big, big reason why I use it and how it's helped me develop my knowledge within planting. So um, just being so visual. So let me go to the share, share with Miss Batavia, bada bing, bada boom. Can you see it? Mm-hmm. Yes. I can't see it, but I can see you. <laughs> okay. So I've got in this garden, we've got the same, I think it was a hundred square foot garden, which was the average garden um, for in America. I think it was that we looked up. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a solid 
garden plot. And in this garden plot, I've got onions, garlic, cabbages, broccoli, um, kale, cabbage. Oh, do I have cabbage? Yeah, I already said cabbage. Collards, bok choy, carrots, radishes, beets, rutabagas, and peas. Now, truth be told, this is more like my garden plan than the average <laughs> one. But, you know, you guys can plug whatever you want in. But um, you can go through. And, I mean, immediately, if I just go in and what I'll do is I'll start with a plot and I'll just put in how I think I want it. Mm-hmm. And then I can start dwindling it down. And so now I can see clearly that, you know, I've got my onions next to my cabbage and their companions. But then next to my cabbage, I have my broccoli and their foes. So that right there tells me that like I may need to find a different space for my row of broccoli. And that's a really good point. So kind of how do you start? So some of you all are this is kind of old bag for you, but others it may not be. So I don't start planning my garden with the idea of looking up friends or foes. One of the benefits of the planter app is once you start plugging it in you know it's going to highlight that for you Um, but I basically start with I want to grow this thing here because this is a sunnier spot in my garden so I want to grow this thing here because I didn't grow it you know there last year through back to last week's crop rotation episode you know so I go through the motions of oh you know I like the way that this plant grows up and how tall it gets and this is a good bed for it so I go through that kind of in yeah. my head on paper in my notes and so I plot out my garden and in the way that I want things to be planted and then it's kind of going through the whole am I doing harm are there right. foes next to each other now there's some things over the years that I've learned so it's almost intuitive now that you know I'm not going to plant strawberries and tomatoes together right you know because they're said to not get along right you know so that doesn't even come into the initial design kind of if you look at design one of the garden right right? so then design two would be making adjustments when i can see some things don't get along um so it's it's kind of starting off with what you want for a number of reasons but it's not led by companion planting that's how i manage it in my space right and when i made this plot i i made it to the way that I would want mm-hmm. to initially plant it. Mm-hmm. And then, I, you know, I, as I was building it, I was like, oh boy, you really don't know your companions that well, do you? Because there's <laughs> red dots all through it. But then half of the garden has no red dots, you know, mm-hmm. or, or no green dots. And that is okay. So yeah. you don't have to get so hyper-focused into it that it's got to be perfect and everything's got to help each other out and all this stuff. It doesn't really work that way because what I, you know, one of the big things too, and this is in a square foot design. So if you do a square foot garden, the idea is that you're choking out weeds too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you got to keep that into account too. Like I know that cabbages get really big, you know, they will outgrow this one square foot so you've got to keep that in mind too so you're building up your knowledge over time with Mm -hmm. all of this you've talked quite a bit about um onions and garlic Mm -hmm. and and how you're going to adjust your planting going into next year i think i was watching a video this past saturday and you commented on it again this would have been you know 
in mid-October for those that want to go over to Sandy Bottom Homestead um, and take a look at it. A really good video, too. I, I say it when I'm watching it, like I'm in the kitchen watching it like, <laughs> yeah, okay, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's like 6 a.m. because he releases videos at 6 a.m., the ungodly hour that he, he and I and like a thousand of you are up, but no one else. Yeah. And so then I'm like, you know, oh, I mean, like the video was released 15 minutes ago. I'm replying at 616. You yeah, know? you are. But anyway, so um, the height, right? Things that get shaded out, you know, so that all of that comes before I do the considerations of, you know, companion planting. So friends or even foes. So like in this design, you have in a single row, both onions and um, followed by garlic right and i and it's nice to see this i see it in your garden but i don't know if i really it connects you know you're planting all of the onions together like in that row there are two rows here Mm -hmm. and then all of the garlic you're not doing one square foot onion one square foot garlic one square foot onion one square foot garlic Mm -hmm. and that's generally the way i navigate when it comes to designing my garden as well um but if they were foes which they aren't then you have to decide which one are you going to move and are you moving it to a place that is going to complement, you know, the crop that's already planted next to it or you plan on planting next to it. So that's when we talk about like being complex, you know, yeah. that's well, what and, we mean. And you get, it gets even more complex too, because if you use those two combinations, that's family planting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's no benefit or they're, they're not, they're nothing. They're just there. But then you got to go into the next season as well, because most of us are multi-season gardening. Even if you're not doing fall, you're doing, most people are doing spring mm-hmm. and summer. Mm-hmm. So then you've got to go in behind that as well and be like, okay, now what can I put behind it? So you can get a little bit into the weeds on that. And I love that I can use that here and it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, so on this chart, we've got um, onions and garlic in two rows and then we've got cabbages. The cabbages are companions with both of them. Mm-hmm. And then we've got broccoli who are not, they're foes with the cabbage, but they're also foes with the collards. And they're also foes with the lettuce. And then we go over and we have another row that's bok choy and kale. And it doesn't, it, they're neither one of them or they're not foes or anything. Mm-hmm. And then we've got spinach so we've got spinach next to that and then next to that's carrots and beets and all of those they're just plants they don't even matter and then we've got um radishes and rutabagas next to that and they don't fight each other or companions and then we have a row of peas now the radishes are companions with the peas but the rutabagas are nothing with the peas. They're just plants as well. Mm-hmm. So based on that, it looks like my biggest issue in this garden is the broccoli. So we've got to find a home for the broccoli. And that's where we can drag and drop all that stuff around and move it around and see. Yeah, um, and you, and then you layer on. So back in the early days of gardening, and I'd say maybe the first eight or nine years. And I, you know, I was growing a handful of different vegetables. Um, and remember I've told this you know story a bunch of times, but I like to share it. My garden would go in probably in June as late as like July, the first week of July and 
by the time October rolled around, either I looked at it, a lot of them were just summer crops. I looked at it and said, eh, I'm done with it all, or the weather would have killed it. And so basically what I'm planting, everything is being harvested at the same time. And then ultimately everything is going to be pulled at the same time. Right now that's completely different in your chart. You absolutely have, you know, broccoli and spinach that will come out now. If that was my chart, let me correct myself. So in 6A, in my growing area, if that was what I was growing, my broccoli and spinach would come out while my onions and garlic are still growing. Right. right? You know, so I have two rows basically at the start of my garden plot that will continue to have vegetables. And then the next two rows, you know, come definitely by May, early June those two next two rows are going to be empty. So now I have to figure out, you know, again, if we're following, we want to, you know, as much as we can companion plant, what can I put in that will continue to complement it? And this is probably one of the highlights of the planter app, right? I don't have to go out and start searching the interweb, no. right? Cause I have my initial planting of the garden established. Now I'm plugging holes. You know? right? And it's pretty cool because I can see how things are growing size wise, you know, actually in the garden. And then, you know, if I have something in there that I'm thinking, oh, this makes sense. Once I, you know, I'm about to transplant something in, I can look and say, or direct so I can look and say, well, maybe not so much. Yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. this doesn't make sense, you know. Well, and you can go in here too. So I, I pulled up what plant am I on? I don't even, I forgot. Um, Batavia asked me if it showed. So we pulled up broccoli. Mm-hmm. And then I scrolled down to where it's the um, the companion plants mm-hmm. and it gives you the whole list of them and then it tells you why it's companion. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like if you put beets next to them, it adds nutrients. If you put um, if it plants next to the garlic, it deteriorates pest. But in our situation specifically, we tried to put it next to cabbage. And so that will attract the pest and deplete the nutrients. And what it'll do is it'll all, so both broccoli and cabbage are, you know, they attract cabbage moths. So mm-hmm, you're just mm-hmm. going to be kind of fueling the fire right there. You're not going to be getting, now, so go ahead. Keeping it really real in the front yard garden this spring, I planted. So look at it as two rows of vegetables. One row had basically broccoli in it. And then, well, actually two rows had broccoli in it. And the second half of the rows had cabbage. So I did exactly what the app is advising not to. Now, how'd it work out? I had broccoli and cabbage. There you go. So so, that's the thing. I say that to say it worked, but it doesn't necessarily, it's not this whole do as I say and not as I do. That's not what I'm trying to describe. Uh, We are looking at a very accurate example, I think, of what's best, right? You know, so there is a risk. Yeah, Yeah. definitely best practice. There's a risk with the way that I planted it. Well, and that's an important part of all this conversation, too, is companion planting is not, it's not a death nail if you don't do it. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's not like that's the end of the world. But, you know, we're also going they compete for nutrients because they're both heavy feeders. Mm-hmm. So let, let's talk about let's just talk about this combination for a quick second. You get cabbage moths. You're just going to have to treat for cabbage moths more. You know, if it's heavy feeders, you're just going to have to feed more. 
You know, that's just really what it comes down to. Now, can you grow them together? Obviously, you can. I've done it. You've done it. Mm-hmm. We've all done it. But if we separate them, could they grow better? Can they grow more? That's the question. And let's so let's go back to the two things. They're combative because they attract the same pest. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so the cabbage moth knows where to go for breakfast, lunch and dinner. But if I'm covering my plants now I have cover in a single place versus if I spread those crops out, right? Just because right. I separate cabbage and, and broccoli doesn't mean the cabbage mouth won't find them, right? You know, but I could have a bed if I don't cover or if I don't treat, I could have a bed that's full of, you know, holes, you know, that's been eaten up because again, it's a feast. Exactly. Now the second point, heavy feeders. So you're, um, well, yeah, just amend it more now the flip of that is if you plant it in a different way maybe you don't need to add as many supplements if you will to that bed or to that space right because you had a more balanced planting design right you know so again i'm will i grow broccoli and and cabbage together again in the future i'm sure i will you know Um, but it's very clear that it's not the best right you know, design. Well, and then if you go up and I just clicked on one thing, it, um, if you add beets and broccoli together, beet leaves leave magnesium in the soil as they break down to help. But you got to get the leaves in the soil to break down first. Come on. You better so, tell them. Mm-hmm. So these are the things. So it's like we look at it on the surface. And you're like, OK, I put my beets and my broccoli together. It works out great. But what we don't understand, and I don't think you're expected to understand unless you dig into it, is that the beet leaves have to be cut off the plant, dropped on the ground, and allowed to break down mm-hmm. in order to leave those seed, those that magnesium into the soil. That's the thing that we're trying to figure out here. And I mean, there's like we're not gonna be able to give you an answer. So if you if you clicked in here and you're like, look, I just want an answer, I'm sorry. I I don't have total faith in companion planting because of all of these little nuances, but I do practice it to an extent Mm -hmm. for the simple fact of I don't want to have two heavy feeders next to each other. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't cover my garden. I'm different. So I'm different in Batavia's garden in two ways. One, I'm in zone 8A. And two, I don't cover. I actually spray organic treatments. And for me, it's easy because I can spray my broccoli in one bed and let's say I have broccoli and beets together. I can just spray my broccoli because they get attacked and then I can go to the other bed and just spray my cabbage. I don't have to do the whole bed mm-hmm. necessarily, but I will tell you this. I get cabbage moths no matter what on everything. It just, it happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that this is um, a good opportunity for us to kind of check ourselves. So you could stand somewhere 10 toes down, you know, and saying I'm planting beets and what was it? Beets and broccoli. What mm-hmm. was it? Beets and broccoli because they benefit each other, benefit each other. Right. But you leave the rest of that statement off. Right. And yeah. if you're not, again, chopping and dropping those leaves, they aren't harming each other, but this, you're not getting the benefit. Right. Right. You know, so I, this is um, and we don't talk about it a whole lot here because sometimes it could come across preachy. But this is where you have to be careful about where you get your information from. Right. You know what you read versus what you experience. 
right? You know, because I'm certain that no one wants to spread incorrect information or misleading information, right? Um, and I think that that's, um, it's so easy to, to latch on to something. And even if you remembered at the very beginning that, you know, beets and broccoli work well together if you drop drop and drop the leaves innocently so five years later you may forget that little bit and you're like still planting beets and broccoli together and sharing hey yeah no they're absolutely companions which i think is um that's kind of human right yeah so i'm looking at tomatoes um because you know that's a popular one i don't understand why it took us 30 minutes to get to tomatoes come on so (laughs) i had read originally years ago that tomatoes and peppers were great companions now i'm looking here and it says that they're not and so i'm thinking back and when i planted my tomatoes and peppers together i remember i had giant pepper plants and great tomatoes that year but they attract the same pests and they deplete nutrients from each other now this year i did it again and guess what i didn't have i had great tomatoes but i had not as good peppers in that row Mm mm-hmm so it's interesting for me to kind of go back and look at that and see. But I don't think we could draw the conclusion that it's because they're planted together. Right. You know, Mm-mm. so I have. Yeah. So generally, and you, you'll click on perhaps the reason why, but generally I will plant tomatoes and peppers together, not like in every garden I've ever had. I have a bit now that's uh, almost exclusively peppers. There are a couple of eggplants and some summer squash in the bed too. Um, and I'm almost speaking past since by the time y'all hear this, this stuff probably will be pulled out of the bed, uh, but, um, but no tomatoes to be found. And this is probably one of the best bounties of peppers I've ever had. Right. You know, and I've had really successful peppers when, They've grown with tomatoes, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I again, I want to be careful of drawing the conclusion. It could be any other number of reasons why um, your peppers didn't do as well this year. Now, again, being realistic, it could be because they're planted together. Like it caught up with you. You know, so it could have been that. a couple of things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it kind of goes back and forth. Now, the one thing that I do think is important in all of this is sharing diseases, That's something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that, and I mean, a disease in a garden is a scary thing because you can't see it. You really can't treat it. And a lot of times you don't even know it's coming until it's there, Mm -hmm. you know, because I mean, let's face it, your, your plants change over the season. They're not always going to be big, bold, and beautiful. You'll have plant, you'll have leaves that get shaded out. Then they'll fall off. They'll turn yellow. So, you know, at first you'll probably be looking at it and be like, oh, it's just getting shaded out. And then by the time you really catch on, you're like, hold up. You know what I mean? And it's not to say that anything is wrong with what we're doing, but it gets so complicated mm-hmm. that it's it's hard to do. And um, go ahead. You sound like you're about to say a, something. Um, I have a bed that it's the very first bed for those that if you've seen my garden that's in the backyard, it's inside of the cage, baby. This year, also known as the greens cabinet. And in the early part of the season, boy, was it kicking butt, right? So it's a seven foot by four footish bed. And it had, so basically I treated it as two garden rows from side to side, just based on my experience, you know, unless I'm planting small things, I'm stretching it by trying to put three rows of food there. So two rows, the back row has uh, Brussels sprouts, three Brussels sprout plants. The front row has 
three kale plants, a couple of different varieties. And maybe, you know, yeah, that's about right. And so the beginning of the season when things were small, everything was getting along well. But guess who was the bully in those bed, in that bed? I'm asking what? you to guess. What is it? I don't know. Wait, give the me Brussels the, sprouts. Give me the combinations again. Well, I've already told you. The I Brussels know, like, sprouts are in the back row and then the kale is in the front row. So the way the bed, the orientation of the bed is the sun is coming from the east. Okay. Right? And so what the Brussels sprouts ended up doing was one, growing taller, but I've seen really tall kale. And two, they have grown and they have been leaning on top of the kale. So once they were about, I don't know, two feet tall, everything was fine. Once they got to three feet plus tall, you know, and I'm looking and I'm like, oh, geez, Louise, like I have to stake these Brussels sprout plants. And I'm looking at where some of the kale plants now are kind of scrawny, right? Because they are not getting the sun that they really wanted, right? And you literally have someone sitting on your head. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, so that, that's a good example of, I'm sure if you, put those things together there'll be all kinds of red dots that are flashing because they aren't companions right for sure they're competing for the same nutrients and when you get to the, the size of these plants they are not playing well together i do want to say this and um, tell you why i couldn't answer that question is i don't understand why you insist on talking about brussels sprouts to me yeah once i, I got to the point of like and when the plant's three feet tall i kind of felt like I, yeah uh, i was like man i'm just gonna throw up in my shoe real quick i, <laughs> sorry, I just don't understand why you insist on mm-hmm. it <laughs> no well it's, it's as okay. of this as of this recording i'll be talking about diseased tomatoes or anything so you know so if you if, if you weren't petty you wouldn't have said that i said to myself oh, i could like, try to calm him and bring up my you know tomato gate 2022 but i'm not gonna do that and I'll I'm trust petty. that he won't. But here we are. No. <laughs> but know that only one of them really has buds and we're like in mid-October. So, again, this is one of those things where it's a little bit off topic in that I've not maintained that bed. You have things. If I would have planted it differently, I wouldn't have needed to maintain it as much as now I realize I should have. You know, so yeah. there, I mean, it's not just this that soil is really going to be tapped when I think about what's growing there this year, um, it absolutely is a case where based on the length of time I'm growing all of those plants, you know, and so this is probably not necessarily stated anywhere, but it's something you sh- should be considering, you know. Yeah, I- I've got a, a website pulled up. It's the Extension Service for West Virginia, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> they've got a little chart here um, and it- it's pretty good. I just want to go over one plant with you. So a lot of people grow corn, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So corn, let me, let me just break it down for you. Corn companions, Irish potatoes, beans, English peas, pumpkins, cucumbers, and squash. That's a lot to remember, right? Mm-hmm. Corn foes, tomatoes, <laughs> in sentence. See why it's so much easier to worry about the foes and the companions? Because mm-hmm. you don't have to keep this long. And it's like, as you, as, you, as you go down the list, you can see that. Now, one thing I do like about this is they have this note at the bottom of this little article about it. And it says, and I, I do apologize, but I'm going to read this directly because I think it's, it's, num- it's the first time I've ever seen this. It says, companion planning is not an exact science. And successful companion plantings can 
vary in different areas. However, companion planting charts can offer a good starting point. Record observations and the results of your plant combinations from year to year of successful and failed companion plantings. And then it tells you to share them with other gardeners. So, I mean, that's, I think I've never seen that before. And I really do like that because I think that's exactly what it is. It's a very good starting point to planting your garden. This is why it takes me, I mean, I do have a bigger garden, but it takes me a better portion of a month to solidly plan my garden out each year. Mm-hmm. There's um, a chart that I have in, in, um, in the book, I'm sure is in the Amazon store. Um, it is kind of backyard garden. So it's one of those types of books. And this is, I took the picture of the page in the book in 2019, the fall of 2019. And the section is titled successful crop rotation practices. And it's interesting because this on uh, West Virginia's website, this chart is under companion planting as a subject, but it's exactly that the plant follow this is described as follow with so it's suggesting what you should you know how you should rotate it but it's like do not follow with and this is the reason why these episodes are so close together last week um crop rotation this week companion planting because it's all intermingled you know and so i was just looking to see if these two things match and it's just random these are just two different resources but i'd say both trusted resources and it's exactly that point for these years. I've been looking at this page and focused on do not follow by, you know, yeah. do not follow by. Right. And if you, and in my logic, if you shouldn't plant it afterwards, you probably shouldn't plant it with it. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. I would, I would go on, I would get on board with that. I would be comfortable with that. Um, Cause I think the thing is, you know, it's like for me personally, I plant mustard where my, tomatoes were and the mustard supposed to help with root knot nematodes mm-hmm. so you know you you put that in afterwards but the, the key is is you've got to chop up all of the leaves and let them break down in the soil and again you're rotating so you're not planting your tomatoes in the same spot that year yeah and you play I, a I game appreciate, i appreciate you reading the same the statement um and i'm looking at tomatoes and the companions are listed as herbs such as parsley dill and basil now this is the key this is not the entirety of companions right yeah so these are a few that they've listed here and that's that's why i like that they noted it's not an exact science this is a starting point right you know um and i think that we need to keep that in mind yeah i want to um share this with you so we can see it together so yeah the tomatoes and basil for instance that's a big combination that a lot of people do mm-hmm. um and it's the smell of the basil that masks the smell of the plant which keeps the pests away this i mean it's just that simple yeah you know what i mean that's crazy it's just that simple now to me, that makes me sad because I like the smell of tomato plants and I like the smell of basil and I don't want to smell them together. I want to sell, smell them independently. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if you think about it, it's just one of those things that, like, there's such easy combinations to put together. And there's a lot of times there's combinations, like you said, they would never be in my garden together, ever. Mm-hmm. And that's another, because then you start questioning when you're supposed to be planting stuff. Yep. And that's not cool. 
Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, starting point when it comes to if you're interested in taking another step into companion planting, find a good starting point as a resource, right? And then you can apply that to what your current garden design is, you know, assuming that for some of y'all, you'll be listening to this during what's the beginning of the off season. Um, But if you're planning for next year, like these are, there are resources out there that can help you, right? You know, and I think that once you look into those, you can decide if you want to make adjustments to your garden plan. I mean, if you got it all laid out or you like growing certain things in certain ways, doesn't mean you need to change anything, you know. Um, yeah. I don't think it hurts to take a look at the foes, you know, and then you can decide because I think in that case you're a little bit more informed if you want to make changes. But uh, it, I kind of want to say it's all optional, you know. Now, I did bring this up and I know you hate it, but let's play a little game. Let's test ourselves. So the garden that we're going to put up is going to be a design. It's going to be Ben and Batavia's garden. We're each going to get five rows. Mm -hmm. And I want you to tell me what to put in your five rows and we'll alternate them. So you get one row, I'll get the next (gasps) and we'll go that way. And then we'll see how well we companion or faux plant. What season are we planting in? Right now. Okay. So for the fall. Yeah. So um, give me your first one. So I'm going to go with carrots for my first row. Uh, The woman after my own heart. And it's also on the edge. My first row is on the edge, and I'd like to plant carrots on the edge of my beds. Amen, sister. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to do cabbage. No, wait. If it's carrots, then I think I want to put... I'm going to put lettuce behind it. Ah, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here goes our All first right. companion. Go yeah, ahead so and give me your next put, one while I look for lettuce. There's so many in here. I got it. It takes me a second. So lettuce next to the carrots. You may have made it easy for me. So I, gosh, I don't remember what was already flagged as a flow and a foe in your previous design. So I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say um, half of the row is cabbage. Uh-oh. Oh, you're gonna go half and halves now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's my row, right? Yeah, you do what you want, oh, okay. baby. This is this is our garden. You get your five rows, I get my five rows. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to do cabbage, and then I'm going to do parsnips. So you can put whichever one first you find. Cabbage and parsnips. No, no. Cabbage and beets. Beets. Yeah. Okay. I was talking to my great aunt. She texted me like, um, have you ever cooked beet tops? And I was like, no, but, you know, they're in the Swiss chard family. This is where you're over answering a question, you know. And so I. <laughs> she's like, she comes and? from a place. She's so nice. She comes from a place, though. She's probably thinking like, if I, if I wanted to know about Swiss chard, I'd ask you about Swiss chard. But anyway, so she. Um, so I said, you know, but they're in the same family. And this is how I cook them. And, you know, she texted me like, I don't know, 20 minutes later. Like, if you're not cooking beet tops, you need to. They were the most delicious. Eight minutes later, I was eating. It's so, so, so cute. And and then it reminded me that I didn't plant any beets this year. And I felt like, oh, I'm missing out. Because sometimes, you know, even though you can buy beets with the tops in the stores, those tops are really beat up. The leaves are really beat up. Yeah. All right. Did I buy you enough time to get to your next? No, you made me think. Um, no. How are we doing? Are we Are we getting flagged yet? Um, no, not yet. Okay. Now, I do know that you put cabbage in, and I do remember that that was a foe. 
for mm-hmm. the broccoli. So I'm not going to put the broccoli in now. Mm-hmm. I think, and I'm going to save the collards for you because it's just ceremonial. You got to have your collards. I, I, I love you enough to let know that you got to be able to put them in the ground. So we're going to let you do that. Um, let's see. Be because still, it's, my heart. <laughs> we're getting into the middle of the bed now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to go ahead and throw my onions in. Now we're getting into the middle of the bed, which isn't as easy to reach either. Yeah, which is why I'm putting the onions in because mm-hmm. they'll be there for eight Forever. months for all the live long days. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we're not really in the middle of the bed, but okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All right, so we're in. All right, so bingo, bango, baby. Uh huh. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at Companion us coming together. All the together. way down, son. All right, what's uh, your next one? I'm so pleased with us. I don't know. I think we should stop here. Let's go out yeah. on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm going to do, dang it. So that was onions? That was onions. I'm going to do cauliflower. Ugh. I'm going to do, no, I'm going to do all spinach in the next row. Oh, are you trying to walk in the middle of the garden to go ahead and get the spinach? Yeah, you're right. That's a bad decision. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to make any. No, no, no. This is our our garden plot. You can do cauliflower as long as you make me um, cauliflower wings off of it, then I'll eat it. Yeah, let's um, let's do a flower for winter. Oh, fall. Yeah, let's do snapdragons. Oh, girl, you got this. Going to take me up. This takes me too long to uh, find the flower. All right, let's do mustards. Yeah, a full row. Yes, a full row. That's what I I'm talking about. I probably need you to also commit to the next row being mustards. <laughs> we'll get if you grow it here, you'll get a lot of mustards. Mm-hmm. So, being that we have mustards there, um, and now we are directly in the middle of the garden, I'm gonna go ahead and put the garlic there. Interesting. Yeah, you know, a- I've never so since I'm planting garlic in basically, let's say November in Chicago, mm-hmm. um, and garlic can be planted anywhere between October, you know, through December, just before your your ground freezes. You want to make sure you have a chance for it to get established. So I have a big caution around that. I've planted it the first week of November, last week of November, and had success in both of those plantings. Garlic in the middle. I've never planted garlic when with anything else. Because my bit, my garden is really wrapping up. So yeah. it's really cool to be able to see, all right, we're planting a row of garlic and I'll have things around it. Yeah, interesting. So what's what's going after the garlic? Wait, is is the garlic yours or mine? That's mine. Um, and is this gar- garden in Chicago or North Carolina? It's in um, North Carolina, man. We wouldn't have none of this if it was. <laughs> 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 all right, scroll down. Let me see. Let me let me look at the bed one more time. So just as a recap for those that are uh, tracking, nope. row one is carrots. Row two is lettuce. Lettuce. Row three is half cabbage, half beets. Row four is onions. Row five is mustard. Mustard greens. Row six is garlic. I'm really pleased with this. So let's do row seven as broccoli. Let's see. It. This is going to be the test, folks. Oh, <gasps> look at that. Look at her go. Who, who learned something in this episode? Me. <laughs> 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 this is like the gardener's ver- version of like Vegas or something. It is. <laughs> it is. Um, 
Man. Yeah, man. So I was looking at our garden and I was imagining like, look, we're going to have to eat. Yeah. But yeah, we yeah. can't eat. We don't have enough cabbage. But I okay. know again that I can't put the cabbage next to the broccoli. Like mm-hmm. that's the one that's sticking out in my head. I'm going to go ahead and do the parsnips. We still don't have, we don't have, we have cabbage. We have a half a row though. Yeah. We yeah, need a so, whole row. No. Hey, I'm going to do you a solid. I'm going to take Wait, a chance. On. I'm going to, I got to change my, I'm going to do half parsnips and half rutabaga. Okay. I like okay. my rutabagas. Yeah, this garden definitely has to be in North Carolina because what rutabagas are like a hundred day crops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'd just be germinating before the freeze comes. You got All one right. more row. I'm gonna. Oh, this is my last row. Collard this is your greens. Your last row. I'm so glad you told me this is the last row. I was gonna actually do a salad for you. I, this is. I'm gonna break the rule here. I'm gonna do half collards and like leave like three spaces for cabbage, and that's for you. Well, there's 10, sp- 10 square feet, so that would be five for cabbage. No, I don't want to split it. I want to do, let's do six and four. Oh, me and you can never have a garden together. Is that, I can't, is that I, I can't speak against? The, I can't. <laughs> up, up. We've got a, a victim. Oh, yeah, that cabbage and the collar cabbage right next to collards. each other. And because of our space... That we have left, and it's the edge of the bed. Uh-huh. I'm going to put a row of spinach in. Ah, uh, nicely done. Because I ain't leaning over in the middle of the bed to get spinach. Yeah, yeah. Good call out when I was uh, basically stepping on, you know, the collars and the parsnips to get to the spinach when I was adding it in the middle. So we, you know what? We've got two rows that are fully companioned, and we've got one plant that is, it's, because of the way you did it, mm-hmm. you have collards and cabbage, and where they meet, that's the foe. Now, the question is, to end it out, because it's a half a row, and you've got, and we're, well, let's just call it a half to make it easy, you got five collards, five cabbages, and then the collard and cabbage that are touching are foes. What about the ones on the either side of it that are spaced farther out? Would that be considered foe as well? You know, I think that this is it only can be so smart. So I think the idea of having cabbage and collards near each other generally is problematic. Now, you could have seen what we see. We could make an adjustment. I think you still probably would get a flag if you did the last four of instead of it. So basically collards then the last four swap out your cabbage for spinach and then put spinach on the other side on that edge. Um, or put cabbage on the other side on that edge, I think you probably would still get flagged. Yeah, well, I wouldn't give it to you if it's not touching, but here's the deal. when I would be corner-to-corner corner touching, I think. Yeah, it will be corner-to-corner corner mm-hmm. touching. And when I go to it, it shares um, a pest. Mm-hmm. So a cabbage moth. Now, what's one thing a moth has? Wings? Yes. So it will fly and go over to the next ones around it. So I think... In that situation, even though you only, and we're using the plant right, it only has the one mm-hmm, foe, mm-hmm. one spot. I think you can really, you're contaminating that area in general yeah. with it. So you just need to keep that in mind. It's not a death nail. It's not mm-hmm. the end of it, but you know, it is a possibility. So it's not a death nail. And just for a simple sake, we basically, and I think we generally grow this way, we have rows full of one particular crop. It doesn't mean that you can't plant 
the cabbage exactly where it is and then put those collards on the other side right so the app won't flag that but again the cabbage moth could easily travel from one end of the 100 square foot space to the other Um, i do think this design creates a challenge for my style of gardening so the way this is set up it would be hard for me to cover just that single row or the you know partial row of, of cabbage and collards but if i needed to um, which could have, it could have been easier for me to put that on the edge. But anyway, if I needed to, I probably could. But since we're in North Carolina and kind of house rules, we probably just treat it with organic spray. Dude, I had so much fun doing this. I'm going to do it again in the spring. Well, first off, we had so much fun. It won't be the same amount of fun unless I'm with you. So, <laughs> <laughs> But so we'll put our garden up there for everybody to see. Oh, yeah. And so we, we've already talked about the planner app. Everybody definitely use it. Check out the link below. But I do want to go over the question to the, of the day from Spotify question of the day. And just for the record, I can't believe we're already at the end of the episode. Companion planting is from our series of listener questions. Right. Yeah. You know, so. Oh, yeah. I forgot to even shout that. Out. I'm sorry. I get <laughs> Leonard. You're done. I'm sorry. I was giving him every chance, every chance, 50 minutes of chances. And I was even supposed to stop and let Batavia say, hey there. But apparently I'm just, I failed. So I'm sorry. But we've got to move on because we're running short on time. Um, Megan writes on the, um, are we hurting our gardens episode? I wanted to know if either of you have overwintered plants. I heard about either building a cold frame for some annual herbs to get them to grow back in the spring. Thanks. Have you ever overwintered anything like that? Accidentally, but I'm trying to be very intentional about overwintering that type of plant this year. So, yes. I have not. I have not done that. So, do you um, have a desire to? And you just have I do not have a desire to do it at all, actually. I'm just... I'm not into fighting nature, I've got enough <laughs> things going on on, you know, with what we're doing that I don't have time to worry about that at all. Um, I mean, you, you guys got to remember, and I know I've mentioned it a lot on the show, but I also have like 30 bonsai trees that I got to take care of. And about 10 of those are really high quality tropicals that I've got to take care of. So I don't really have the space and I've had to make the decision to not do it, but also to... I like growing plants. That's what I do. I like putting the seed in the ground or, you know, the pot. I like raising it and planting it out. I just, I like the ceremony of it. So that's, that's why I do it. And basil, like I found out a couple of years ago, basil is so easy to grow from seed. It's absurd. Um, I took a, and I, I know you, I don't know what herbs she was referring to, but I took basil and I accidentally, <laughs> I ripped the top off the seeds and they all poured into a solo cup. <laughs> so I had, I had probably 500 plants in a solo cup. And then I just took them after that and I would just pinch them off and, you know, with the roots, obviously once they started to grow. And then I ended up having like, I probably ended up with 200, no lie, plants of basil that I was just giving away. Like I would have like buy a tomato, get a basil. That's just, mm-hmm. just to get rid of them. They were so easy. So, no, I don't really do that. I know it's really popular for people to do it with peppers. But yeah. If- and I've, I've been asking around when it comes to peppers. Uh, and I personally 
I, I'm, I'm almost certain that I don't, I'm not going to overwinter uh, pepper plants primarily because I have so much stuff going on when, before we started. And I was like, oh, let me step away. I'm like, I wonder if he hears all the crispy dead house plants. You know? <laughs> like, so much, so much, so much going on. Um, but primarily, I just can't risk the bugs. Um, so yeah. primarily the um, the aphids. So I bring house plants out during the summer and then I bring them in. So obviously I, I risk bringing bugs inside, but generally I don't have any infestations. Uh, but peppers, you know, the idea with that is you get a head start. So your pepper plants are already, you know, they have big roots. You bring them in. And then once you get them out, once the weather breaks in the next spring, um, you're ahead of the game from when you're basically transplanting something into your garden. It, and what everyone says that does it is they get peppers faster, sooner. Yeah. Um, but what I am overwintering and I have done in the past, kind of stumbling upon it just by planting it late in the fall is spinach. And so um, I have planted spinach in the fall or maybe even in late summer and it struggled to germinate and then it finally pops up. And then once you, I mean, I'm going to say for sure March, I can see spinach in my garden, right? And it's always from the previous year. Um, And I have read about people and I think it's specific varieties that they overwinter onions. I've never tried it and I don't have it on my immediate list. I'm not doing it this year for sure. Um, But I mean, I think it depends on time, desire. Um, I think that if I feel like I need a pretty tight plan when it comes to my garden design, because what you're already doing is taking up space for next year. Yeah. You know, and that what, may not matter for some, you know, it's kind of important for me. Well, another thing too is um, there, well, there's two things for me on that is one, I like to take a break from certain crops and just not worry about them. And two, the amount of, let's just say peppers just to keep mm-hmm. it easy that I would have to overwinter in order to make it worth my while would just be astronomical. You know, I'd be overwintering 10, 15 plants. And to me, it's just like, I'm, I'm just used to the amount of peppers that I get every year and mm-hmm. how to use them and stuff like that. Now um, I'm growing basil in my house. I started basil a month ago in my house. So I have basil growing in my house. I do Mm -hmm. use cold frames for cold tolerant plants to boost the production to get more out of it. But that's not really overwintering. That's just kind of raising it up by a zone so you don't get as cold. So I do do that. But I don't if it's an annual or it's going to be treated like an annual here, I let it die and go away Mm -hmm. or I grow it in my house totally separate. Yeah, I'm going to talk one more time on both sides of it. Uh, for peppers in particular, and peppers take so long for me in Chicago, I'm bumping into the microphone, for them to produce and then ripen. So everything points to I'm a great candidate for overwintering um, peppers. I just haven't gotten to it. you know, yeah. and I just, again, don't know if I will. Yeah, I think it's more beneficial to play around with varieties, too, because that was one thing. It eliminate different varieties that I would grow. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to do that. And the amount of stress of pulling it out and putting it back in, stuff like that, I, I just I don't know if it's worth it. So for me, I think it's super cool for the people that do it. Yeah. You know? That, yeah. to be quite frank, remind, it's in the same lines of you know, wear and tear and fatigue at the end of the season, people that dig up their, their bulbs and things like I salute all of y'all. Oh, Uh, for sure. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm really considering it. I'm probably a month out really considering doing that for my dahlias, um, which is a different conversation, but I also know myself. (laughs) Yeah. So so there's that. So there you go. 
Uh, Megan, I don't do it. I'm not interested, but I wish you the best of luck with it. And I hope you get the results that you're looking for. How's that? And we want to say, hey, Michelle. Who's Michelle? Yeah, was the uh, companion planting question. Oh, you looked, you got it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she provided that question. And forgive me if there is someone else further in the comments to the, you know, call out that being made for, you know, questions for the episode. I apologize if you also asked about companion planting and we haven't named you. My deepest apologies, Michelle. I hope you're having a, a blessed day. But that being said, everybody, if you would like to leave a question, you can leave it on any platform we have. We just ask that you put Spotify question or at least question in front of it. And we know it'll trigger for us to look um, and announce it on the air. Something that would be useful for everybody. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, clearly wherever you're listening to us. Batavia's YouTube channel, Be Better Garden. Me at Sandy Bottom Homestead on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, you name it. We're there. And um, everybody, I think we did it. I think we. Too. I think the mission was accomplished. I think we learned to grow, and we grow for change. See ya. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world, people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in. Thanks for checking out the show. If you like what we're doing and you'd like to support us, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash backyard gardens, or you can be an Apple subscriber. And in both of those, you'll get an extra episode every month. You can also make a one-time PayPal donation with the link below. And you can get all kinds of gardening gear, like t-shirts and mugs and cups from the link below at Teespring. And we have an Amazon store, which has all the products that we use and recommend in our gardens and it helps support our show and we also add to this list periodically so be sure to check it out periodically to see if there's anything that you need for your garden everything that you do including a like and a subscribe and even a review will help us learn to grow and grow for change see ya